0: Welcome, and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. The coronavirus pandemic has given us a lot to think about. It's changed the way we do things, and it prevents us from doing a lot of what we're used to. This COVID crisis also creates in us anxiety. Here's First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun with a sermon to address that anxiety. With all that is happening in the world, I felt it was time to do a sermon on worry.
1: Here in Hawaii, we often use the phrase, Hey, bra," no worry, no worry. But alas, we like worry. We worry about a lot of things, and with COVID-19 virus, we worry plenty, with good reason to. Our jobs, our finances, our health are all on the line. We don't get to see many of our friends and family in person. We can't worship in person. My heart goes out to you who are unemployed and those of you with businesses or companies that are suffering greatly. I really empathize, truly. Those staying at home, I'm not in some isolated ivory tower where I don't get it. Some of you may not know this, but besides this church, I run a nonprofit ministry. In March, we were going to have our annual conference for which uh, about uh, 2,000 people paid to register and for which hundreds of volunteers signed up but we had to cancel it due to the coronavirus. It means possibly losing hundreds of thousands of dollars. We had a lot of sunk costs and t-shirts were printed, plane tickets bought for conference speakers, which can't be refunded. And Hey, if you want some of the 1200 convention notebooks that we had printed, Hey, we get plenty. And there are many people asking for refunds of tickets for which we will follow through on. We even applied for the federal stimulus, a plan, the Payroll Protection Plan, known as PPP, and we were recently told we didn't make the cut. None for us. For that ministry to lose, the conference is like a retail store missing the Christmas season when majority of the sales and profit comes. My ministry missed out on our Christmas season to make money to stay in the black and no stimulus help. To be clear, this is not a financial appeal. I'm just making the point that I greatly understand what many of you are going through, so I deeply empathize. And I hear the Lord's words, his gentle voice saying to me, no worry, no worry. I have faith in the Lord, and if he lets me down, it'll be the first time in my life. He has never let me down, never. I will follow him and trust his words that he said to me and you in the Bible. And what are those words? Hey, if you're in a season of worry, you've turned into the right place in the right time. I have some great news for you. So let me read to you today the Bible passage that we're going to study and meditate on. Jesus said, as recorded in Matthew six twenty-five to 34, Therefore I tell you, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spend, and yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. And if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying what Will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Now, this passage is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. This is from Jesus' longest recorded sermon. It has been referred to as the Magna Carta of his theology. Now, who was there to hear this sermon? It's a little confusing. Scholars say there were anywhere from just the 12 disciples or tens of thousands of people who heard this sermon. Now that's a large difference. Why is that? The Bible says there were crowds nearby, but it also says Jesus spoke to his disciples. But at the end of the sermon, it says the crowds were amazed by his teaching. So maybe there was a huge crowd, but he sat down the 12 apostles in a tight inner circle and people listened in and maybe the crowd got bigger and bigger, or maybe they were already there. I tend to think there was a crowd and the disciples were the closest sitting right next to Jesus. Yeah, no social distancing. Now you might wonder, if there were thousands of people there, how did they hear Jesus? They weren't on Zoom. As a tangent, can you imagine if Jesus used Zoom back then? Check out the slide. And maybe this is what the Last Supper would have been like. Leonardo da Vinci's famous Last Supper as of the 21st century. But back to the question, if there were thousands of people on the mount, how could they have heard Jesus in the first century? I've been to Israel. You should go on the next trip. Maybe I'll lead it next time. Pam and I went to an area where they think the Sermon on the Mount took place. What was so intriguing was that the location was like a natural amphitheater. If Jesus stood near the shoreline and faced up to the people sitting on the mountain slope, you could have heard him clearly speak because the land and the terrain and the slope of the hills funneled the acoustics of a speaker right up the mountain in a clear fashion, like a megaphone, a mountainous megaphone. When I was there, We tested it out as one of the men in our tour group went to the shoreline and began to read the Sermon on the Mount from this passage. We all then spread out higher up the hill, and Pam and I were like 50 yards up the mountain slope, and guess what? We could hear the reader clearly. So that's probably how the Sermon on the Mount was heard, as Jesus used an ancient landline for his streaming. A landline, get it? I had to throw in one chun pun. There is a horrible uh, sacrilegious movie out there, which I will not name, as I just saw the beginning of it. But it had the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus preaching, and the people way in the back of the crowd of thousands couldn't hear what Jesus was saying and when Jesus said blessed are the peacemakers one guy said what did he say blessed are the cheesemakers really cheesemakers this is what happens when we have Hollywood interpret scripture no Jesus words were clear and articulate and we have them today clear and crisp and articulate in written form now who was there that day Many scholars believe they were not rich people. They were common folk, maybe people in poverty, your everyday Joes and Joannes. I don't know how they f- left their jobs to listen to Jesus unless they had no jobs or they just walked away from their jobs, which is, would have been weird considering it was an agricultural society. But maybe not that amazing. Maybe it's kind of like when I'm channel surfing and I happen to see an afternoon. Major League Baseball game on TV on a weekday, and I think, how did 50,000 people just leave their jobs on a weekday afternoon to watch a baseball game? Shouldn't they be working? And then I think, how come I'm not working and watching TV? But today's message drills us with a very serious message. Jesus clearly, pointedly said to those people on the Mount and to us today, Don't worry. I know we have medical issues or loved ones who have passed away or financial issues. The World Health Organization says that one in five people in the United States have an anxiety disorder. It it says it is the most common mental illness. Even prior to COVID-19. Barnes & Noble reported back in 2018 that they had a 25% jump on books of anxiety. Strangely, it appears that anxiety is three times higher in the more developed countries. Interesting, isn't it? People in countries that have more money and more time-saving appliances, more opportunity to spend for pleasure and recreation and rest, and who have, been, who have better health resources These people worry more. The American Psychiatric Association ran a poll on a thousand U.S. residents in 2017 and it discovered that nearly two-thirds were extremely or somewhat anxious about health and safety for themselves and their families and more than a third are more anxious overall than last year. Again, that is before the coronavirus outbreak, so I can only assume it is now higher, not lower. And maybe that's why I felt led to teach on worry today. So here's my first point on worry based, uh, on, worry, uh, based on the teaching of Jesus in our Bible passage. Number one, God values you. Imagine Jesus on that slope of a mountain a kind and practical teacher of life. He likes to use teaching metaphors of everyday objects, like saying, I am the bread, I am the door, or I'm the good shepherd. I'm the vine, and you are the branches, and my father is the vine dresser." Everyone immediately can lock into his metaphors based on common day life. So here he is teaching, and I imagine he sees some birds flying over, and he, he sees flowers nearby, and he immediately uses them as a teaching tool. He says, look at the birds of the air, look at the lilies of the field. In some translations, as ours today, instead of saying, look, they use the words consider. Consider the birds, consider the lilies of the field. I like the word consider. It means think about, or one of my favorite words, ponder. Ponder about the birds in the air, the lilies of the, of the field. Much of our Christian life, we need to be more thoughtful. That's one of our our core values at, at the church, thoughtfulness. We hope First Pres equips us to be thoughtful people who weigh the meaning of things. If we're not thoughtful, we will miss out on life's lessons that are right in front of our eyes. You know, President Trump likes to wear those baseball caps that has the acronym MAGA, M-A-G-A, for Make America Great Again. Recent Democratic uh, presidential candidate, Andrew Yang, on the other hand, promoted baseball caps with the word MATH on it, which stood for Make America Think Harder. I do believe the followers of Jesus should think harder should see the nuances of life and not see things as black and white. We should have a faith that considers issues and events and objects that could teach us. Maybe Christians should wear baseball caps that have the acronym of faith on the front, which could stand for faith as I think harder. Surprisingly, as we consider things and think on things, our faith grows greater. Jesus tells us to consider the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. Ponder them. There are lessons in them. Birds, Jesus says, are not as valuable as humans, and if God takes care of their everyday needs, won't he take care of your needs? He then talks about flowers of the field who are thrown, who are thrown into an oven, and you get the feeling that he's always aware of his creation and he likes the flowers. But then he talks about an oven which burns them, what, it, what does that mean? Well, back in ancient Israel, the lilies of the field were the most popular flowers in the country. They would blossom one day on the mountain slope, and they were beautiful. Jesus says, um, surpassing the beauty of, of like the, the raiment of robes of a king. But when they died, they were of no worth and were gathered and thrown into an oven for baking for cooking and they were so beautiful but then they die and then boom baked for cooking and Jesus was saying if God creates this radiant beauty to these short-lived flowers which is then burned up surely surely you are more valuable than a common plant and he will take care of you as the best of his creation so therefore he says it's useless to worry Hear his voice, no worry, no worry. Why? Because you are so valuable and God died for you painfully on a cross. It's crazy to think he doesn't care about you. He doesn't watch over you like you're just grass that will be thrown into an oven. In fact, a life of worry leads you into a life in an oven that is like constantly burning you. Tim Keller says, a life of anxiety is like Hansel and Gretel following the crumbs of worry leading to the house of the witch. Which leads to my second point. Worry can hurt you. Jesus says in verse 27, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? So hear that? Worrying doesn't make you live longer. In fact, it makes you live shorter. When someone says, you shouldn't worry about that, you should reply, oh, would that help? That's from a Tom Hanks movie, which I can't remember the name right now. Maybe one of you can. If you worry too much, it triggers stress hormones that make your heart rate go faster. Your blood sugar levels get elevated, and it sends more blood to your arms and legs, which affects your heart and other systems, which can lead to migraine and stress headaches. You might start breathing more deeply without even realizing it. And if the worry and anxiety stays elevated long enough, it can increase the chance for a heart attack or a stroke, hardened arteries and higher cholesterol levels, and may lead to kidney disease. And worry can affect your immune system and make it harder to fend off the flu, which is what we don't want now. Okay, I'll stop. What, what are we, now we are worrying about worrying. The truth of the matter is that the biggest worries are those that never come true. The question, what if, can lead to more anxiety. That is why it's a waste to worry So, okay, you may be asking, then, Dan, how can I really lessen my worry? Well, let's go a bit deeper now. Where does all the worry come from? Worry comes from your trying to control everything. I like what scholar-author Tim Keller says. Jesus Christ is saying the source of anxiety is a human will to power. The fact is that we want the power that God has, and our anxiety comes from that. Jesus says, for example, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? But that's the point. We want to add. We want the power God has. So put it this way. He says, when the doctor comes in with bad news, suddenly we get anxious because we feel we're out of control. But it's the threat that reveals the illusion that we've been living on all these years. At the deepest level, it's showing us what we knew all along. We've never been in charge. We're not in control. And the Bible tells us, though, in the book of Genesis, that we didn't like being in charge of everything except God. Oh no, we wanted to be in charge of everything We wanted to be our own masters, and trying to become more than human, we actually became less. Trying to become more than ourselves, we became less than ourselves. So did you hear that? We're insecure because we want power. And the more we want power, the more we seek to control our lives. And the more we resent the fact that God is actually in control of our lives, the more insecure we get. End of quote. So here's the pattern. The more we think we can control life, the more we worry. I love Tim Keller's thinking on this. In fact, he gave a great story on how Martin Luther once saw his friend Philip Melanchthon in a state of full anxiety, and Luther said to him, Let Philip cease to rule the world. That's a good word for us today. Cease to rule your world work on that and we can get some real meaningful handles on the source of our worry you see to remove worry from our lives is more than here are the top lifestyle tips of pastor Dan take deep breaths think good thoughts be more positive today do more yoga Those all might help, but the real long-lasting solution to our anxiety is much deeper. It means giving up control and allowing Jesus to guide us and lead us. And so this leads us to point number four, which is let Jesus into our control center. Let the Holy Spirit really be the center of our operating system. We all may need an upgrade today into a better iOS with Jesus at the center. Actually, our greatest sin may be pride. That we say, I have to be in control because God is insufficient. So we say, I need to be in control and worry about things because God is not in control. And part of the lessons of this stay-at-home season is that many of the things we thought would give us balance and meaning in our lives don't really give us long running satisfaction or spiritual nutrition what we may have been depending on for meaning may be like grass that burns in an oven i mean think entertainment has been taken away from us and the sports and the music concerts and maybe the in person parties have been taken away where there were a lot of there was a lot of partying and maybe drinking or or drunks with others Maybe we can't do the pornography now because the family members are always around. And now in this stay-at-home season, we have this opportunity to really drill down on what gives us true meaning in life and what have been false gods that we used to put our meaning and time in. Maybe we've been worshipping a lot of false gods that have taken a lot of our time, talent, and money. My older son was saying to me the other day that when we come off of this locked down, there'll be two kinds of people. There will be those who will double down on the things they have missed, the parties, the sports events, the shopping, the entertainment, the concerts. Or maybe they want to go to a restaurant every single day to make up for lost time, which is not bad for the economy, but bad for our wallets. Or, he said, there will be those who will say, I have learned something by staying at home. I'm going to live differently. Maybe live with less. Maybe have a deeper spiritual walk. If you're on live stream right now and wanting to try to go to our digital connect groups after the service, um, consider that and, and there you can talk more about this. You can hit a button So try out the discussion. Friends, faith is not just passing peaceful thoughts through your mind, nor is faith turning your mind off. Faith is a lifestyle of confidence toward the Lord. And, and here's the raw, cold, basic, straight talk truth. If we don't believe what Jesus has said to us in our Bible passage today, there's absolutely no way to deeply deal with with anxiety. Yes, therapy may help. Yes, medicine may help. But for a deeper, therapeutic, holistic understanding of life, what Jesus said is indeed the way. The brother of Jesus was called James. In his book, named after him in the Bible, in the first chapter, James wrote this. Verse five. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. We don't want to be tossed to and fro in the winds of the world's opinion, to always go to the world to see the wisdom, maybe through Fox News or CNN. I mean, that can give us more anxiety. No, we want to see what Jesus says and what the Bible says and have faith. And we want to ponder on his truth. We want to learn to live a life of trusting Jesus and desiring to have him lead us. Again, Tim Keller would say, anxiety is essentially saying, Father, you emptied heaven of your greatest treasure and you executed your son voluntarily for me. But I'm not sure you're going to know how to arrange my week. And when you realize what you're saying, you begin to realize you're offending his love. Words of Tim Keller. Someone said to me recently, you know, in life, none of us are going to get out of here alive. And I thought the person meant that as a response to COVID-19. But that person was saying, in general, a truth of life is none of us are going to get out of here alive. We will all one day die. And you're thinking, oh, no, all of us? We're not going to get out of here alive? Now that increases anxiety as, what? We're not going to get out of here alive? Or if it's true, we're all going to die. Then what is truth for us in the next life? If we even believe there's a next life. And if we're going to die, how then should we live here on earth? If we believe, like a lot of society, that this is it, and that in the end we're just a bag full of chemicals and dust, then that could make someone more anxious. Or they will just say, I'm going to eat, drink, and make merry, and binge on Netflix. Or it can mean, what could give me real purpose? What is faith? Let me ponder that. If there is a rich new life that gives meaning now, here on earth, and that while it is true none of us will get out of here alive, and if there is an afterlife, what will that look like for me to live now knowing all of that? That is why more than ever we must consider following Jesus, because he says we can live a life here on earth where we don't have to worry. Really? Where we don't have to be in control, where we don't have to have it all, where we can be loving and serving others because God will richly, abundantly take care of me in so many other ways? God's stimulus program may not come in terms of money, but can be in terms of the fruit of His Holy Spirit which the Bible says we can bear his fruits of a life that will be of love and and joy and peace and patience and kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. You mean I can live a life like that after the coronavirus? No, God is saying you can live like that even now during the coronavirus. If you just quit, trying to be in control of everything and stop worrying and follow me by putting your trust in me. I wanna give you one more helpful tool to help combat worry. On our church app under messages, if you go to messages, you can see a category called the daily examine. It's a spiritual discipline many of our members are doing. It can help in your worry right on your phone, It's basically every day you do five actions. You give thanks for all the things in that day. You review the day hour by hour to see where God was present. You apologize for what you were sorry for that day. You forgive anyone who you need to forgive or think of whom do you need to ask forgiveness. And then in the end, the fifth thing, you turn to God and ask God what he wants you to do tomorrow. The daily exam designed by St. Ignatius of Loyola is a way to refresh your life and lessen worry. By just giving thanks every day, we'll lift your worry and see the good in life. And apologizing and asking for forgiveness releases the toxins and reminds us we're not perfect living in an imperfect world. So check it out on your phone. Our church app is under Sunday Messages. So let me close saying this. Ponder on this. Jesus said in the Bible, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come to me, all you, who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Wow. When we are carrying heavy loads of worry, I hope we can go to Jesus who says to us, Come to me you who are weary with worry and leave your bag full of worries in front of me and I will give you rest. Give up control and don't then pick up the bag and walk away from me. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for coming to this earth. Thank you for being real and telling us how we can trust you, and that if we we do that, it would make our lives so much better, since you created us and the world, and know best how it operates and how we can deal with it. Lord, there may be a bunch of people here who say they are followers of you, but might want to get back online with you and recommit their lives to really trust you and cut down the worry and give up control of their lives to you. And Lord, there are some here who might want to commit their lives to you for the very first time. They realize that this is part of what has been missing in their lives. So Lord, if that is true for them, may I lead them in a prayer right now. For those who want to recommit, they can join me in this prayer too, which basically says, sorry, thank you, please that we might say together in our hearts right now, Lord, sorry for the times I've been wanting full control of my life. Sorry for the needless worry. Sorry for not trusting you. But thank you for standing with me. And thank you for forgiving my sins. And thank you for loving me so much that you died for me Surely you have the right to lead me. So now please come into my life, send your Holy Spirit to fill me, guide me, take over my calendar, my social life, my my work, my family, my body, my money. And may I learn to really trust you, really trust you, that I might not need to be afraid any longer. So thank you for coming into the center of my life. In Christ's name, amen. If you made that prayer, feel free to hit that button that said, I commit my life to Christ. And when you do that, you have the option of having someone pray with you. And we would like to send you a little booklet that might help you in your new or renewed walk with Christ. Hey, thanks for joining us today. It means a lot to us. Before you leave, I would love to give you a blessing, but before I give it, don't forget to consider joining the Digital Connect groups right after I end the service. You can discuss with others about the sermon or about life. Just hit that button to join. So now, please receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May His face, His grace, His countenance shine upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, who desire to live with you and in you, that you might know you need not be afraid or worry. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for joining. See you next time.
0: In good times and bad, Jesus loves you more than you know. Reduce or eliminate your fear and anxiety by putting your trust in Him. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Normally, we meet Sundays at our Ko'olau campus or at The Vine in Kaka'ako, but for now, you can find the entire church service streamed online on the church website, fpchawaii.org. For our virtual church service, click on the online church box at our regular church service times, Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.11, and Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. And be sure to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, and daily devotionals. If you have any questions or needs, you can always reach out to the church through the website, or just call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chan and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2020 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.